0: One second, I'm just going to take a drink of water. That's not water.
1: Uh, <coughs> why is it spicy? Oh, What is it?
0: It's a rattler.
1: It's a rattler?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's hilarious.
0: Yuck. I thought I was safe. I was not safe. <laughs> <laughs> Never. All right.
1: Jenna was marked not safe from conspicuous <laughs> alcohol.
0: No, that that's in my mouth. It looked, it looked ragged. Regu- like it just looks like water. <laughs> it just looks like water. It's not. It's Very low levels of alcohol. Why? 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 I'm Jenna. And I'm
1: Khadija. Welcome to the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. We've created this space for fans of the horror noir film genre that crave nuanced representation and commentary. From the perspectives of black women. Black storytellers and black horror fans who geek out and freak out <laughs> over anything that gets us gooped and spooked. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghouls and Galdam podcast.
0: Check out our episode description for content and trigger warnings if your head or your heart requires that information.
1: And as per usual, we are going to be laying out a ton of spoilers ahead if you have not seen the film. So watch it. But yeah, you watch should watch me. it anyway. And it's like, if you <laughs> haven't seen it, spoilers are your own fault, dog
0: yeah 1974 like it was made so long ago if you haven't then like at this point it's like game of thrones spoilers like if you haven't done it like go on with yourself
1: yo you gotta be ducking and dodging especially with with the (laughs) new series out also with the rings of power out i've been ducking and dodging spoilers for the last two weeks now damn
0: oh i'm so sorry i've already watched episodes one and two of the of power all i gotta say i'm enjoying myself
1: I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm all caught up on Rings of Power. I just haven't seen the new House of Dragons. House of Dragons? Is that a drag show? Like, is that what the show's called?
0: It could be. Like, why wouldn't it? It probably already is.
1: <laughs> or at least, like,
0: there is a voguing group of some kind that is called, like, the House of Dragons. Because why Might not? Be spitfire. It would be spitfire
1: <laughs> with the elements. So, Jenna, what movie are we talking about today?
0: Oh, we're talking about Abby. You might not know her, but like, she's here. She's possessed. She's
1: been here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So Abby is a 1974 uh, horror about a possession written by G. Cornell Lane and directed by William Girdler. Who's in our cast for this one?
0: Oh, yes. The cast is Carol Speed as Abby Williams. And we got, you know, an oldie but a goodie. We all know our Blackula man, William Marshall, mm. as Bishop mm, Garden mm, Williams. Looking fine as ever. I know, right? And this time he's a <laughs> priest. So, like, he still in some way has a cape. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> a cape or a collar. Like, the man, the man is dressed in black in some kind of way. And then we got Terry Carter as Reverend Emmett Williams. And then we have Austin Stalker, which is Detective Cass Potter. And then we got Wynita Moore as Miranda Mama Potter.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So... Let's dive. Let's dive right in. The movie starts. We're in a park. There's a park picnic, a surprise party for Dr. Williams. That's uh, William Marshall's character, who is leaving for a trip to Nigeria. He's supposedly like researching Yoruba religion. He has been doing that for years. He teaches religious African studies at the universities, presumably.
0: Yeah, they don't really say anything. They're just like, "Yeah, you're a teacher and here are your students.
1: Here, this is the thing. The first scene of the film is just nothing but exposition. That first scene is just to give us as much information as possible. And we learn a lot. We learn that William Marshall's character, like we said, is a bishop and a professor. His daughter-in-law, is his, is his son there? His son is also at the picnic all these young people hold him in high reverence. You know, he's really smart. He's really charming. He's a great teacher. They love him, which is why they're sad that he's going away.
0: Right? This one uh, student just goes like, yeah, you know, you got a doctor in theology. You're a humanitarian. You're an archaeologist. You've traveled the world. You got a PhD. You got all these things. And you're so like, okay.
1: Okay, so... you're laying it on a little thick and a little heavy, son. <laughs> yeah, he said <laughs> a heavy. A little thick and, and like, a little heavy.
0: i'm like yo you're the one who got these like these accolades this is on you this is on me i'm just giving you your bio like if you don't want to hear it don't do the things but like within this little like information bomb that they give us it's like okay do we believe in the christian faith or the Yoruba religion slash like we're going into a cave in knocked in nigeria where like you know the cult of eshu, right? They have to make sure they call it a cult beforehand. Like, so that you don't get anything weird. They talk about the practices and then he says he doesn't know anything about it. They give the thing. The reporter-like student is like, this is how I feel about it. And then it's like, eshu is the most powerful Orisha. Then like talking about like phallic symbols and stuff and like that he's about chaos and stuff. And then the students give him a large cross. And then that student kisses him on the mouth. (laughs) Okay. And then we go into the intro of Africa.
1: (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Okay, so yes, there's the conversation around belief versus disbelief, Christianity versus Yoruba religion uh Yoruba, R- Yoruba religious practices. And then, yes, like you said, they, he's gifted this massive cross on a chain. We go to Africa, we go to Nigeria. What I love about this is that there's like this obvious stock footage of Africa. Oh, yeah. Because we know that the, the budget for the film was like somewhere between $100,000 and $200,000, next to nothing, which i think in if you take inflation into consideration it's closer to like $500,000 today which still is not a whole lot to make a feature film. Yeah. However, i i find it really interesting to think about the fact that they're using this this stock footage and then very likely filming those scenes with William Marshall when he's in Nigeria and in the cave somewhere in the US. I I'm not entirely sure where but 110%. and i don't actually
0: know.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't actually know for sure, but it's a fair assumption to make that he's stateside for (laughs) for those scenes.
0: Well, yeah, because like even the one African that has a speaking role and you're just like, you know, that accent could have been done a little bit better, everyone. And he's wearing like a knockoff dashiki. I'm like, oh my God, it's like
1: a Kensington Market dashiki. Like I have one in my closet.
0: Right. Like it was like, oh, okay, so. He's the only one who can speak English, but yet the accent, like, that doesn't sound like a Nigerian accent. Ah, it doesn't sound anywhere close. But for the film, we'll let it happen. And, like, you can hear, like, you know, you you hear chanting in the background, you hear all this stuff. And then, like, oh, what's this block of wood? What is this block of wood? Is it just a block of wood? Oh, it's also it's made out of ebony wood, just to make sure that you remember, like, we're black.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's got all these carvings on it particularly phallic carvings oh, yeah
0: specifically the phallic stuff and i'm like okay is is this the truth but like we'll get to that later with those facts about you know our orisha issue. but you know no different than the exorcist like the blockbuster motion picture exorcist you know Don't open the book. Like, you open it. Winds are flying out. It's a Pandora's box.
1: Anytime you come across a Pandora's box, you know that some fuck shit is going to go down if you open it. Like, yeah.
0: Why? Why would you try? But, you know, people don't like to listen. People just think that, I don't know. Like, curiosity killed the cat, but yet it, like, basically kills, like, almost all the team. Or it seems like it kills all the team. We don't know if anybody's dead dead, but, like, Nobody looks like they're coming out of that cave alive, except for like you know William Marshall over here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole cave gets mush up.
0: There's like the flashes of the green face, the the green demon face, whatever. We don't know if it's a demon. We don't know.
1: Yeah, we just see flashes of this like really dooming character. <laughs> it's so funny though, because this movie's so old that you know. To watch it now, it's really easy to laugh at some of the graphics and the visual details of it. But for its time, it was pretty cool. It was probably like the shit.
0: Think about the first movie. The first movie ever made. People probably lost their fucking minds. And you're like, yeah, no, like reasonably so. (laughs) You should. It's a moving picture. And then sound comes and you're like, what? Then color came and then people were like, Think about when CGI came into town. We all shit our pants. Video games, all of it.
1: Okay, so after everything in the cave gets mashed up from the immediate repercussions of them opening up this mysterious vessel, we cut back to the U.S. where Abby, played by Carol Speed, who is William Marshall's character's daughter-in-law, so... She's married to his son. Wow. The math was not mathing for a second there. Abby is moving into a home that was left to her in some relative's will. She's excited to be building a new beautiful home for her husband. And her mama reminds her that, you know, it's not the size of the house, but the love that fills it that truly matters. So we know that love is like a theme within this story already.
0: Yes, love builds everything. Love lifts us up where we belong. You know what I mean? Mom's really about the love.
1: Also, I want to add that Abby's mama is giving Loretta Divine vibes. This actress, <laughs> Juanita Moore, was Loretta Divine. She set the tone for every Loretta Divine performance, I want to say. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. She was the archetype. For the rest
0: of her life. And then we are greeted by Abby's brother, Cass. Because he, he comes by and it's very cute. You get a very family-oriented vibe by everybody. You know, they're chilling on it the porch. It is super cute. Like, yeah, like everybody loves each other. And you're just like, this is adorable.
1: You can tell they're a tight-knit family, like when they take a break, yes. from the unpacking and they're sitting on the front deck and they're using a box like on its side as a table to have their snack, it's very adorable.
0: right, and like the community is helping out because this is also going to be like, you know, they're members of the church. that's the thing that's the big thing about this family is that they are very, very, very Christian, they're very, very church oriented
1: very community oriented as well, very important to point yeah. out that. Abby's brother Cass is also
0: a cop. Yes, so it's like we're all in it together, and like you know, the mom goes and does like all of Abby's accolades as a human being, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, who's who's her husband's name again? Oh, Emmett. Emmett's like, oh yeah, Abby just got like her marriage counselor certificate. Her you're certificate, like, oh my yes. god! And then she's like, oh, like you're gonna do that, and you're doing the choir, and you're like doing youth group. Or, like, you know, that type of thing. So, it's, like, we very much know that, like, everybody spends their time in the community, in the church. Because, like, that's where we're at. That's the kind of family we're into. Like, think about it. Both headmans are pastors or teachers in some type of regard. But then it gets to nighttime. Ooh. It's nighttime. We're creeping through know. the house
1: at night. My favorite thing about this scene is that there's that classic, like, dump, dump, dump it's so it's like quintessential creepy horror movie music it's spot on
0: yeah like we're creeping up on you
1: it's it's spot on
0: <laughs> there's fog because there has to be fog even though it's like 1105 at night
1: yeah there's like green lights <laughs> i don't know where those lights are coming from <laughs> but it's great it's great Abby and her husband are lying in bed because it's 11 o'clock at night. And the, the like. her husband, Emmett, wakes up from the rattling noise of the door being slammed after all of that like creepy ominous yeah. uh, energy. The house starts to shake. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the whole house is shaking. And it's su- surprising that she sleeps through that. <laughs> I mean, I get it. As a dead heavy sleeper, I get it. But he wakes up first. And he wakes her up. And she's like, didn't you hear that? Didn't you hear that? And she's like mad at him. He's like, the door slammed and it woke me up. She's like, so you woke me up? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's true though. Like, why? Like, you go check on it. Don't wake me up. Don't wake <laughs> me up. What do you mean? I'm, no, I understand completely.
1: I love it. She basically tells him that the wind slamming the door shut is a poor excuse for him to have some fun, quote,
0: unquote. Yo, I know. I was like, (laughs) okay, so Pastor fucks. Like, turns out, Pastor, they got no kids, but they love to fuck, though. Abby fucks
1: hard, okay? That's one thing about this movie from beginning to end. No spoiler. Abby fucks hard. (laughs) Abby fucks. I love it because, you know, it's late at night. They wake up from this creepy noise, whatever. They end up having sex. Boom, bam. Love it. Then, next scene, is Abby in the shower, and my girl is loving up on herself. Oh, yes. Yeah, Once again, she's having a great time in the shower. I oh, yeah. stand. I stand.
0: You have to stand. But then, like, they, they have to make sure. They're like, okay, see her in the shower. Here's all the steam. Here's all the thing. And then it's like, oh, now the curtain. Oh, something's going to engulf her behind the curtain. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, well, now she's like- possessed.
1: Sex that demon. creepy shadow just shows mm. up in the shower and it's mm. all up on her. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's no. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah. Okay, Jenna. Sweating. Where we go after this scene is I think, I don't know how we keep watching movies where someone's doing laundry and then some fuck shit happens. <laughs> 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 how, how is this a common theme? Throughout movies that we watch. Cause in the next scene after the shower, Abby is in the basement doing laundry, and then the door slams. Some you, you can tell that like something's creeping up on her.
0: The whispers are coming out. Yeah. The green face comes back. <coughs> 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 The winds are all knocking her about, and you're like, "Well, how's the wind down in the basement? Like the window's not open, nothing's mm-hmm. open. I think it's just because basements are scary, yes, like we we know basements are scary. If yes. you've never had a basement, they're usually scary. Like not one light can like light the whole basement, especially if it's one of those concrete basements
1: unfinished, creepy as hell, yeah,
0: everything the, smells the like washing wet.
1: machine is just down there rattling away, making you think that yes. Freddy is down there ready to come snatch you up. I was convinced Freddy lived in my basement as a child.
0: <laughs> oh, I was convinced anything was in my basement as a child. I was like, yo, those lights go off. You better start fucking running. In my
1: house, there was an attachment on the house that didn't extend over the basement. So like part of our basement just kind of like cut off. And so underneath... The attachment to the, like the add on to the house, there was a crawl space. So when you went down into the basement.
0: Oh, fuck your house. Fuck your house, right? Sometimes up.
1: there'd be like raccoons. And I remember there was a period of time no. where a family of skunks no. moved in. Oh my no. God. Going down into the basement and seeing those red, beady little eyes. Mm. Oh! No.
0: No. Devil is a lie. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't even need, like, my actual imagination playing tricks on me. I don't need to have, like, any critter embellishing that fear in me.
1: Absolutely terrifying. Nope. Nope. Okay, so next we're at dinner with Abby's family. It's what? It's her husband, her brother, her and her mom, right?
0: Yeah. Poor family things.
1: It's, yeah, it's a beautiful family dinner. Again, they're talking about... How much they love each other and how beautiful their lives are, and, uh, and how hard Abby works, how hard she works, yeah, and about Emmett's dad being gone on this expedition on his mission,
0: and how he might be jealous of, like, you know, yes. the traveling that his dad's does, and yeah. things like that, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe. Is that what you want to do, Emmett? Do you want to travel the world spelunking in caves in Africa looking for orishas? Is that what you want to do?
1: Spelunking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that's really what you want to do, old boy, then like, I I guess, you know, the mission the world is calls. is your oyster, The mission Emmett. calls.
1: So they share a toast in the honor of their family and all of their love and... Emmett's glass, like, shatters in his hand. Ah, there isn't really much...
0: Oh, oh, they no, don't really talk strong about Strong grip. <laughs> strong grip. Strong grip. It's just it's just the wind. That's just the cut. And Then it goes into the scene of, like, them being in the kitchen. It's the mom, it's Abby, and I assume, like, another churchgoer. We don't really hear her name, but, you know, they're making, like, you know, little cute little chit-chat and, like, you know, talking about some of the congregates.
1: This is in the future. This is some point like, they jump ahead in time a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, Preparing dinner for something?
0: Yeah, it could be a church function. It could be even just their own dinner. Like, we have no idea. We have no idea what they're doing with this food. But, like, they're making it, and, like, Abby's cutting up with this chicken, and old girl is just getting a little bit too weird with the blood. She's, She's like, like looking ready to at bathe it. in She's that chicken blood, it. baby. She's like, licking her lips and being weird with the shit. She's cutting it a little weird. She's fucking going, <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> She just turns the fucking knife on herself and then she's just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do some cutting. Just slices into her arm. Yeah. She goes in. She goes deep and like everybody's like, what the fuck? And then she faints and then like, you know, call the doctor, call the doctor. And you're just like, okay.
1: The doctor shows up and he asks Emmett if, if Abby's been depressed lately. Yeah it's like, nah, she's fine. Like, it was just an accident. And the doctor's like, that was some strange accident.
0: And you're like, yeah, you know? Like, unless she, like, thought her fucking arm was, like, a chicken leg. Like, it went in. But, you know, It went whatever. in. It went in. But if everybody wants to keep what they want, you know, keep their mental health behind closed doors, that's just what people are doing. But then, like, we got to, like, Abby in bed. And it's, like, it's sad because... You know, it's one of those moments where I could only imagine, like as a parent, because like the mom was there and saw everything happening. But, like Abby's just like, I don't remember, I don't remember what happened. Like what happened? This is to a great acting moment
1: for Carol Speed. Like I think yeah. this is one of my favorite scenes because her sadness and her confusion and just like really poked through here. And yeah, the relationship between her and the mom is really, really precious, and you can see just how much the mom cares. She, abby's like i'm gonna have a scar and the mom's like no scar on my pretty baby doll
0: it's okay it's okay because like how are you gonna explain that because that's the other thing in this situation that like you know i don't know if the people were going as deep as what we think it possibly is but it rings true for us is that like you know black individuals of the diaspora and mental health and like depression and all these things like do they get talked about? Not really. Do they usually get shunned? Not in 1974, baby. Things? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know, depression is like a made up thing. And like, that's just for everybody, not for us. Because, you know, we've endured so much. So like, we're allowed. So this doesn't affect us as the way it affects other people. And just to like, see that, like, there might be a possibility. And also because she's a woman of God, right? So you have to like, mm-hmm. think on that. You just also pray it away. To be like, you know, pray it away. Or like it would never happen to her because she is such a good God fearing woman. And she's such a good woman that something like depression or something like something crazy like this would never happen to Abby. Never happened to our girl, Abby. And you're like, I don't know. But she's possessed, so it's okay. (laughs) It's not depression. It's just a possession.
1: (laughs) Is it depression or is it possession? So next we're at church. Yep, and Abby crazy. seems to be back on her feet. She's singing her little heart out in the in the church choir.
0: She's giving her. Honestly, I will say that, like, whoever they casted for this choir, like, we need to understand that, like, this was the limpest choir I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I don't limp-pist? think anybody was. nobody. Lim- nobody was really praising Jesus. Like, <laughs> I did not catch the Holy <laughs> Ghost out of any of this. I was heavily disappointed. But Abby's singing her heart out this song. And like, I'll say that, like, I'm like, you better not be the head of the choir. Cause like, the only reason why you're the head of the choir is cause your man's the reverend. But like, that's okay.
1: But also, cause she's probably the best singer there, just based on what you just said with that limp ass choir.
0: Rough. That's rough. That's Rough. But she's going for it. Emmett starts to give like it's not, it's he's not going into the sermon yet. he's just going into praying. He's like, Yeah, we're gonna pray. And he starts saying all these things, and like, you know, all the Lord things and all the Jesus things and all the like praise be stuff. And like Abby's throat starts getting a little scratchy. Abby's throat, like you start like being like, eh, eh, eh. And then she just starts like, Hugh. and it's just it's awkward. And everybody's like, what's going on? But like they take her out, and then what ends up happening. Is that she starts like turning into a little fucking gremlin and starts being like, and starts like kind of like puking foam. So she starts foam puking on like this man that like, because like the mom and this other man from the church are trying to like, you know, get her some fresh air and stuff. And then she starts being a gremlin and starts kind of like molesting this man a little bit, but also like puking on him at the same time. It's weird. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's
1: a, it's a different kind of vibe. You know, what's funny. Is that I've seen that before? I've seen that on King West at three a m on a Saturday night. I've seen some little drunk girls getting pulled out of the club by their mans. They're puking, but they're rubbing up on their mans. I have seen <laughs> this very image before, and you have too if you live in downtown Toronto. you know exactly what I'm talking about. You will
0: definitely see at least a puker rubbing up on her man. At 3 a.m., at least one. You can
1: rally in and then try to get a makeout in. What? What? Miss me with that, please. Miss me with that.
0: Eat the street meat first. Eat the street (laughs) meat. Drink the water. (laughs) Get the Uber. Go on with yourself.
1: Oh my God.
0: Emmett calls Pops because Emmett's a little bit worried about. Yeah, Emmett makes a collect
1: call all the way to Nigeria. (laughs) He calls his dad. (laughs) He's like, listen, Pops, Abby is acting strange. I don't really know what's going on. And his dad is like, you know, it's probably just the strain from the church and community activities. Like we said, Abby stays busy, okay? She's a busy little bee who's got her fingers in lots of different pies. I know I'm mixing my analogies here, but she stays busy, so she's probably run down, you know, burnout. Burnout is real. Yeah,
0: I love it how it's almost like burnout slash hysteria. They're just like, so... She's attacking people, cutting her arm up, and we're going to link that to too many activities. (laughs) Too many activities and not enough sex. And not enough
1: sex. (laughs) Well, so later that night, Emmett and Abby (laughs) are at home. Emmett comes out the bathroom. Abby's in bed.
0: Looking cheesed.
1: Emmett is like, you know, it's bedtime. It's me and my wife here. I'm trying to put it down on her. But Abby, whatever reason, it's the possession. Abby (laughs) is like, she's shutting him down. And not just that she's shutting him down, but she's insulting his manhood. She's like, you ain't got enough to satisfy me, you impotent son of a bitch. Like shit, Abby.
0: Kicks him right in the dick. Kicks him in the dick. Dick (laughs) kick. Right, because like he, you gotta also never forget because you gotta paint this picture. This man comes out in the most smallest towel, <laughs> the smallest little towel, the okay? Little
1: towel around his waist.
0: and then like spouting off like I don't know the sixty nine Psalm or some shit like that. You know that's what I mean? True. Just being like that's true because that's know, how these people like, get yes. sexy. They spit some verses from the Bibles.
1: Yes, they spit Bible verses at one another, and that's what gets them hot and heavy.
0: Right? It's just like the women of Jerusalem.
1: You know what? That's what does it for you in your godly marriage. I support that.
0: I need any people who listen to this, if you are religious, I want to know what is the Bible verse that gets you in the mood.
1: As someone who did not grow up with the Bible, as someone who did not grow up as a Christian, I find this oddly peculiar.
0: I need to know.
1: <laughs> but I'm also interested in knowing what Bible verses get you and your partners hot and heavy.
0: Yeah, it is a needed thing. You know, and we said in Ghouls and Geldon, we love a good dick punch. We love a good dick kick. It's fun. Okay. It's not fun for the person, but like, yeah, no, no, she just fucking. Not fun for the person getting dick
1: kicked, but you know.
0: She roundhouse kicked that dick. Like,
1: (laughs) 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 as far as a physical comedy moment goes, it's top tier. Oh, yeah. Anyway, next we cut to Emmett chatting with Abby's brother, Cass. Emmett's like, that dick kick really did a number on him because he got, he was physically and emotionally bruised. So he's asking Abby's brother. He's asking Cass, like, "Yo, was Abby ever fucked up as a kid? Did she do any drugs?" Because I'm not really sure who I'm going to bed with every night here. And Cass is like, "Yo, that's my sister. You're talking about."
0: Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, she's kind of fucked up." No, he said he called her. He said he's called her. He called her a screwball a little bit, but like, yeah, she's that. like, she's a, bit her. Of a screwball. Have you met her? And I'm like, what? I'm like, what does that mean? But okay. But like, my sister don't do no drugs. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Oh. Oh, that is too fucking funny. It's funny. Oh no.
1: So next, Abby is leading a marriage counseling session with a couple from their church. And uh, uh, uh. she's like having a lovely little chat with them. She, yeah, you know what I good. appreciate about Abby in this moment is that she says like, you know, I'm newly married myself, so I don't know everything, but there's a lot that we can learn from the good book here. And then her husband, Reverend Emmett comes in, joins the session. And dun, dun, dun. But then Abby is like, the possession takes over again. And Abby <laughs>
0: this one's a good one this (laughs) is this is one of my favorites to be honest Abby looks
1: at the man and the couple the husband and she's like i'm gonna take george upstairs and fuck the shit out of him yeah like the facts of life
0: you idiot that's what i'm gonna (laughs) teach you and i'm like (gasps) holy
1: shit okay let's go one thing to note is that when abby is possessed the voice that takes over is so disembodied. It is entirely a different actor who does the voiceover for when she's possessed. Cause like it's just it's a different vocal quality. It's like this really deep gremlin-like voice, like you said, Jenna. Yeah. It's very clear that when she's very possessed by the spirit. And then when it's kind of laying dormant in her system. And this is one of those moments. And it gets more and more intense throughout the movie. And I think this is probably the most intense, like the first, or what, like, to start. The first being with the dick kick, and then the second being this counseling session.
0: She just rips out her titties. She's just like, i take
1: you upstairs and fuck shit
0: up. And she's like, shh. Oh yeah, she her pulls shit. his shirt open. Yeah, she's like, "Da." and then Emmett's like, "What the fuck?" And like, <gasps> takes her upstairs, <laughs> and then she like takes him over, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you." Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, "Yeah, little bitch," and starts fucking slapping him. Like she yeah. just starts backhanding him. Like, "Calm, little bitch," and like, you know, fucking, Man, you can't satisfy me. You can't satisfy Abby. Blah, 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 And I'm like, oh, my
1: God. It's intense.
0: Super intense. How how
1: do you deal with that? I feel so bad for Emmett because he's like, my poor, sweet little wife. What's happening to her? Right. She's just like, she goes from being this, you know, community oriented, really sweet, kind of quirky girl who is then cussing up a storm. There's like, bitch, shit, motherfuckers everywhere.
0: fucking drooling all over everybody (laughs) telling everybody they're gonna fuck like she's gonna fuck them I'm like
1: you think this is stress oh my gosh I think we should keep with the drugs Like, yeah I mean I wish it was drugs I wish it was drugs so next Abby is at home and she receives a visit from the organist from her church who was sent over by her mother
0: Mrs. Wiggins kind of like
1: check on her keep her company I guess this woman don't know what she's.
0: Bad idea. Into. Bad idea. Bad idea. If you're gonna do it, do it yourself. Don't send anybody else to help.
1: Yeah, she just gets moshed up by Abby. Not just that, but like the thing about Abby in this possession—it's the spirit within her, really and truly—that is just like cutting people down vocal, like verbally as well oh, as yeah. physically. Like,
0: she just goes in on this lady. She's like. Mrs. Wiggins, that's not your name. Like, da-da-da-da-da. Like, you're not a missus. And she's like, you know my husband's dead. And she's like, and you go by that name. And like, what he did? He fucked you. What? No, he never married you. He fucked you once and let you dry up like a fucking old tomato. And she just, oh, like, no. and you're like,
1: oh, okay. Old tomato. Ooh. She
0: basically was like, yo, he fucking wasted your youth, bitch. That was a waste. Brutal. And you're like, oh.
1: Brutal
0: okay, like, I just wanted to come and keep you company, but, like, okay, fuck you too, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, all right, all right. Like, I guess maybe Eshu was upset that, like, she didn't bring an offering. You know?
1: Well, must have been because Mrs. Wiggins dies on the (laughs) floor of a apparent heart attack.
0: On the floor. She whips her around. She's like, we're gonna do this, and, like, da-da-da-da-da, and you hear, like, murder is the most natural thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, Mrs.
1: Wiggins is getting her ass handed to her by the spirit issue that has taken up residency in Abby's body and spirit. So the doctor shows up along with an ambulance who is there to take Mrs. Wiggins' body away. And Reverend Emmett is there. And the doctor tells Emmett again, like, that his wife's problem is very much out of his field. Whatever is going on with Abby (laughs) is out of his field. He's like, I can't help you. I don't know what's going on here. This shit is whack. Yeah, the doctor is super funny. This breaks my heart. Because Emmett calls his father again, and he's in tears. Oh, yeah. This was really sad to watch. I'm like, oh, Emmett. You just want to help her so badly. You just want to get to the bottom of what's going on here. And he is surely at his wits end. He's got the doctors here in the States telling him that nothing can be done. And then his father, who's likely the one person that he trusts, is thousands of miles away. Yeah. So his father is like, listen, I will come home. I will take the next flight home. But in the meantime, you need to get Abby to a hospital.
0: Yeah, get her there. But I will also say, now that I think about it, and maybe this is just me, and I don't know, but for being two religious figures, that exorcisms do happen in, you know, that religion which you follow. Also, you just went to Africa and opened a box, and the whole wind of a tornado, like whipped through that cave. Would you not think I'm not saying you have to think it's specifically eschew. Like
1: I don't think they put the pieces together yet. I don't think that their brains have gone to, Oh, she's possessed. We need to perform a possession or an exorcism. They just haven't gotten there yet.
0: I'm always surprised when, like, you know, religious figures are like, yo, it has to be everything but a demon first. And I'm like, yo, if I was a religious person of that nature, I'd be like, nah, man, it's a demon first. And then I'll figure out everything else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> always assume it's a demon. Always assume yeah, it's like, a demon yeah, no, or a spirit. That's
0: a demon. That's a demon. Sorry. That's a, that, nope, not me. We're going to strap this person down and we're going to put whatever we're going to put on them and... Hopefully it works out. You know, in The Exorcist, they got there quicker, but that's just me.
1: So they take her to the hospital. They do a bunch of tests,
0: CAT scans, and things on her head.
1: Yeah. They discover that there's truly nothing wrong with her physically. So they suggest a psychiatrist. Mama does not like that.
0: Ooh, she does not.
1: She starts crying. She isn't mentally ill and she isn't crazy. Her mother's words
0: she's like, no, like her father died and i raised her on my own like she can't be like she's not mentally ill which I find very interesting that she doesn't say that she's like crazy she's just like, no, she's not mentally ill that's just something that we just cannot have and it goes back to the thing before and I'm like, well you you also said that like her dad died so would you not think that would stress no, but it's okay you know just don you know, it's okay it's okay, but she was like really really adamant that she's like no. She does not have mental problems.
1: Could not like, possibly.
0: Okay, can't be. All right. Just let's hopefully we'll find her the thing that she needs.
1: So the moment that Reverend Emmett is alone with his wife Abby in the hospital, she tells him to tell his motherfucking father that she'll be waiting for him. I get so giddy every time she says motherfucker.
0: <laughs> She's like, send their worst regards to your father. <laughs> like I'm like. Nye-nye-nye. And so we see a plane. We assume Reverend, Bishop, Father, Daddy is on that plane. And they go, like, he's going to go meet them at the house. And then Abby
1: just decides, I'm going to fuck this whole hospital up. She's like. Holy shit. She's, oh my God. She's out like a bad hell. She's messing up the whole damn place on her way out. She's She's over it. She's pushing people. Yeah,
0: she's like, if you are a person, like, it's almost like a cat, like, looking at something on a, like, a table. Because, like, if she went down that hall, you might even not even be close to her, but she'll find a way to push you the fuck over. (laughs) And she's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck all you, I'm leaving, da-da-da-da. And then all these, like, doctors and nurses start, like, chasing her. And, like, they can't catch her. I think they get locked out of a door. And then, like, you know, Emmett and dad are home. And Abby's there in this cute little white jacket combo with a nice little ascot thing happening. And she's just all nice and hostessy and being like, oh my God, it's so good to see you, Reverend. You know, da 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 da. And they sit in the parlor. And then she sits next to him and keeps talking. And then it starts getting a little weird. And then she starts grabbing on his dick. And then that's when it's like, ah, demon, goodbye. (laughs) And you're like, oh, so when she grabs on your fucking dick, now she's a fucking demon, huh? (laughs) This whole time she was just like mentally ill. But now she's grabbing on your dick. Now we know that there's a demon in this woman.
1: (laughs) That's when he, he immediately starts to rebuke the spirit in her. Yeah. And she says, that's no way to talk to a Supreme Orisha. Right? I was like, Abby, there ain't no Supreme Orisha in this bitch. That ain't it. That ain't it.
0: We're, we're, we're here.
1: So Abby cuts and the house is getting torn up with the two reverends in there. And the daddy reverend appeals to the majesty of the god Eshu. Cause he knows that there's some dark energy happening here. Emmett cuts to go chase after Abby and like steals a car, steals a car to do so.
0: Yeah. He he throws that old white lady out of the car. He's just
1: like, I can't like, I have to. And I'm like, I need this. I'm commandeering this vehicle in the name of the law.
0: In the name of the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) So that happens. They take the car and the house is being destroyed and everything. And then Bishop, he tries to do some church stuff and like and it stops, the car happens, then Cass comes by and like you see that the cops are there because the the lady had phoned the police. And so like at first I was confused because I totally forgot that Cass was a detective. And so like when he was like Yo, like, guys, like, I just need to, like, talk, like, some personal shit. I was like, how the fuck is he talking to the police that Same, way? Same, which is
1: why I sure that we mentioned it at the top of the episode. I was like, why? Because when I was going through and taking my notes, I was like, why is this man, how is this black man in 1974 just talking so walking technical. up to two police officers who are taking a report from a white woman and so boldly telling them, don't worry about it. This is a family matter. We'll handle it ourselves. Yeah. Only because he's a cop himself. He's also a cop.
0: And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. They know him. Okay, great. They know great, him. Great, great. They know him. Make I'm sense. like, oh, okay. Right on. Right on, brother. Right on. <laughs> and then Bishop explains that like, yo, so I was in Nigeria. I opened up a box. I probably shouldn't open up the box. And like, I'm pretty sure that that Eshu Orisha Has taken over your sister and now is taking over and commandeering her body. And now we got to find her. Now there
1: are hostile forces all around this house and they'll have to be eliminated tonight or she'll die. Right? You're like, okay, that's uh, not heavy. Okay, Okay. thanks for catching me up. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Like for real (laughs) dog? Like he doesn't even question it. He actually doesn't question it, which is
1: actually the best part about it. I love that. I love that. He's like, okay, I bet, love that.
0: bet. So, so now the mission is- We gotta is, go find my sister.
1: Now we gotta find Abby. The thing is, where's Abby at? Abby is out cruising for dick. Okay? Yeah, Abby
0: is cruising for a pussy bruising.
1: Oh,
0: That's what she wants.
1: This section of the film just like really goes back and forth between Abby in the club, looking for a LA lay, and the brother and father- and husband all looking for her. Like Abby starts off with talking to this one guy in a club and she takes him to her car. Not or is it her car? I don't even know whose car it is. They end up they leave the club together. They're in a car and they start hooking up and this man knows Abby's husband. I think he's a parishioner. I think he's from the church.
0: That's the dude that she puked on.
1: That's the dude from the that's the dude that helps her out of the church. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like,
0: yo. That's the dude that she puked on. He's really cute too.
1: Yo. Something else I love about this section of the film is that after, so Abby and that guy hook up in the car. He's feeling all weird about the fact that he knows Abby's husband. They finish. Moments later, we're back in the club with Abby. because no, you she's, can't.
0: She's not. No, you can't. You can't skip over the fact that she literally like slaps him a budge Takes him over and the car goes up in smoke while it's rocking and shaking. Yes, yes,
1: yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. There is like, it's like Jack and Rose, but like Twisted.
0: I was like, what is happening in here? I'm like, what is the smoke? Like, is like, is are people on fire? Is this yeah. like, what? <laughs> you're going to die. Like, you're dead. Like, I don't know how your body's going to be dead after this. I don't know if it's going to be decomposing, burnt up. I don't know if she's going to consume you. We never know actually how the bodies die. I don't never. know. We just know that they're dead.
1: I will say the reason I'm so eager to get back inside the club is because... Abby's cruising for round two. And if you watch the film, I need you to peep the Anderson look lookalike because I'm telling you <gasps> Silk, Sonics, Silk Sonic's entire vibe was it, like their entire aesthetic is based off of the club in this movie.
0: Yes. A hundred like disco mm-hmm. inferno. Like, ooh, maybe that was the double entendre for that one. But yes, there was definitely Anderson packs, uncles, fathers, <laughs> other cousins, We're probably in this fucking movie. Okay. A hundred and ten percent. Then we have like this montage of the bishop doing like, you know, we're getting ready for spiritual warfare. we are getting ready. (laughs) Like this big fucking silver cross. Like, don't worry. Like the power will take this. And like the search continues because like basically like throughout this little like this section is just like searching of Abby finding dick. Them trying to find and Abby the men and the Bishop her. getting ready
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> and So we see like more dancing and bar time. Like it's the same bar. Like she's she's keeping at the same bar. She likes this bar. She can go nowhere, and like so she's with like this white dude. And like her whole thing this whole time is just telling everybody how not big their dicks are. Like that's that's like her whole thing. And I'm like, wait, how big? Is what you want, Abby. Like there is like she's not even given like spe- like specific counts, like yo, I'm a solid like seven, but like coke can size. Like she's not anything like that. She's just like, I don't know if you're a big enough one for me, but like you'll do. I don't know. Da-da-da-da-da. Na-na-na-na-na. And you're like size queen. Right? But like he's like, I still wanna fuck though. And you're like, okay. And it's like, oh, nightcap, and even like the guy behind the bar is just like, yo, you can have a, a room upstairs, like free of charge. Da, da, da. And she's like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do after I'm done? I'm going to come get you, too. And you're like, OK, go, Abby, go. <laughs> go, Abby, go do what you want. Do what you want, girl. Do what you want to do.
1: Do it. OK, so Abby's finished, I don't know, God knows how many rounds of random hookups and she's back down at the bar and she's kikiing with some men at the bar and her brother shows up and uses a phone to inquire about where she's at. So her brother and her husband show up at the bar and they're ready to snatch her ass up and take her home. But she ain't finna go. Abby's still nope. trying to party. Yep. And the men that she's been talking to were like, she's not trying to leave with you, homie. And it's like, this is my wife. And Abby's like, do I look like somebody's goddamn wife? She's just Where's the ring
0: at? Where's, where's the ring at? Ring? Where's
1: the ring at? Mind you, she took the ring off and dashed it away when she was hooking up a dude <laughs> in the car. Remember that?
0: Hey, but where's the ring at?
1: Remember that? Hey,
0: she don't remember.
1: So Abby's like, she tosses her brother, she tosses her husband. And the men that she's been kikiing with are like, <laughs> they're laughing at the fact that Abby's just gonna dash away these other men for them, but they don't know that they're about to get draped up too.
0: Right? You're my kind of woman. I was like, the big one? I'm like, that's actually the cutest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. are like, yeah, like, yeah, you beat up men? I like you. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: We're nothing but a fucking vest like Leather a fringe vest. vest i loved it i love the whole thing so like everybody's getting thrown around like cast starts shooting up in the air and like kind of empties the club and everybody starts to leave and su comes up real bad like now it's like it's showtime because then like bishop comes in and it's like spiritual warfare time like we're ready to go we're like and so we get the mocking, we get the all kind of like, you know, your mother sucks cocks in hells kind of rhetoric kind of thing. And then it's like, <laughs> and, you know, and he's like, no, like you aren't even eshu And this is where we kind of find out that like, we thought this was eshu the Orisha, but it turns out this is just a demon pretending to be eshu Because then like, you know, Bishop is like, you, you have no powers. Cause if you did have powers, like you'd be able to like, take me out and all this type of stuff. And then, like, the demon starts mocking them and, like, being like, oh, no. And start turning into Abby and being like, oh, no, like, don't do this to me, Emmett. Please, like, it hurts. It hurts. And then being like, Cass, I'm your sister. And they're like, no, don't believe that devil. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, starts floating, starts speaking a bunch of different languages and mocking them some more. And then, like, you know, Bishop starts getting ready, starts putting on his own special like African garb with this bell. So I guess he's like a pastor of the
1: Christian faith and also an Orisha practitioner, I guess. I'm not entirely sure where the qualification comes from, but I'm just assuming that he picked some shit up while he was in Nigeria, including the garb that he's wearing.
0: Right. And the bell and everything and like what he's going to do. I'm very confused on that whole thing. But like, you know, we didn't write it. And I know the people who wrote it don't know what they're talking about either. So we're gonna put a pin yeah, in that one. It's
1: very clear, Reverend Marshall. I keep calling him Reverend, Reverend Marshall, but that is <laughs> William Marshall's name. Uh, <laughs> 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 Reverend Bishop Garnet Williams, Daddy Bishop Williams, is completes the exorcism, and they expel this little. Spirit, this little trickster spirit, from within her, and it goes back into the box from whence it came. Yes.: And yeah, we see
0: the club explodes. Like oh that's God, basically The club it.
1: explodes. The club just like spun up. <laughs> but only after Abby and Reverend Emmett, her husband, have a warm embrace, and it's like, you know, you know that after this cu- must come a whole host of trauma and confusion and a lot of questions about what she experienced. But we jump forward in time to Reverend Emmett and Abby jet setting off on a vacation and Mama Potter is at the airport with them, wishing them well on their trip. Just like, you know what? That's self-care right there. That's self-care. Abby said, no more community work. No more counseling. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to go lay up on the beach. I'm going to go shake my ass on a yacht. Yeah, we have no
0: idea where they're going. They're just like, we're in the airport. I just assume she's going to shake
1: her ass on a yacht. Let me have that, okay? Bye. Bye. (laughs) See you later.
0: (laughs) Also, I will say one of my favorite parts is like after the exorcism and they're all holding each other and shit. Cass is just sitting down. They're holding each other. And then William Marshall just takes his, takes his jacket. Ed leaves. <laughs> <laughs> my work he doesn't here is done. He doesn't say anything. He's just like... I've
1: done what I've come to do. I'm going to back do. to
0: Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. All right. And that was Abby, everybody. That was The Black Exorcist. The Black Exorcist. Because
1: uh, that's entirely what that film was. That's yeah, like... One of the best things about wild that ride. movie... That is one of the most, you know, interesting things about that movie is that it was, you know, it it was made after The Exorcist, heavily inspired by The Exorcist. A lot of people will tell you that it is a poor bastardization, you know, a, a really cheap attempt to uh, recreate The Exorcist for Black audiences. You know, I will say, you know, I want to give them more credit than that. I will say that it is very obviously inspired by The Exorcist, and the creators admitted that themselves. But I don't think they set out to entirely copy the film, despite all the similarities. I also think the
0: only similarities in this entire film is that a female gets possessed. Mm -hmm. That is literally the only thing that is similar in any which way, if you really think about it. Because Reagan's like nine It's, like, set in a room. There's nothing about sexuality. Like, I also will say, like, the majority of the murders or the weird, gruesome shit The Exorcist gets shown on camera. We don't Mm. really get anything Mm -hmm. in this movie at all. And also, like, I do think there needs to be shown fact that, like, it's really heavily rooted in, like, this being a Black Christian family. Also, the Orisha stuff, like... I will also say the only other similarity about this is that both demons come from Africa. Mm. That's another one that's similar because in The Exorcist, like it comes from Egypt or whatever. True. Yeah. Like those, those are the only things that are the same thing is that they're both female protagonists that get possessed and that the demon thing comes from Africa, which, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I got to give them their credit though cuz like I got to give the team of Abby their credit because they like I said they made this film on a budget of $200,000. It earned 4 million in its first yeah. month of release. 4 million dollars. Yeah. And that's like that's yeah. 4 million in 1973. I don't even know what that yeah. would be today as far as inflation goes. But a they lot. were sued by Warner Brothers. Claiming Mm -hmm. that it was a ripoff of The Exorcist. So they had to like, you know, pull the film from the market. I'm not entirely sure for how long, but to this day, it's a cult classic. So like, I say they won in the end. Like The Exorcist is a great movie as well. But I think that they, despite being called a copycat film, I think it stands on its own. Right, because
0: I'm like, at this point, it's like, oh, so anything with an exorcism in it is like. Oh, it's a copy of The Exorcist? What? what? Right, you know what I mean? Like, think about all the exorcism movies that we've ever seen. There's so many. Possession is its own genre at this Mm -hmm. point. Like, and it always has been. And so it's like, you know, like, you didn't start it. Also, like, you know, the puke was different.
1: I thought there was going to be a head spinning moment because when they're holding her in the bar and Bishop Garnet is like, hold her, hold her arms out to mimic the cross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, her head's going to spin. Her head's going to spin around. And it's, this is going to be the like very blatant exorcist copycat moment. But no, nah, they didn't even do that. They, like, uh, yeah, this is, that's why I'm like, it's, it's not, they're not trying to be the exorcist.
0: No, they just wanted to make money off of a black idea. And that's what they wanted to do. Like, that's all they wanted to do. You know, because like the whole thing is about like sexuality, but like also it is a black woman. So it's like, like even just that theme alone on its own. Oh, God. Yeah. Completely changes the whole thought process of the whole entire film. Because like Reagan, we weren't talking about Reagan popping her pussy.
1: If you look at the idea of Abby being driven by sexuality and sexuality and Black women being demonized, then this film is a university course all in its own.
0: You know what I'm trying to say? So Yeah. "Ah." They tried. I think they were just afraid that it might potentially make a lot of money or it might make more money because you never know. Like... Again, you said it was four million dollars. I'm like, I wasn't expecting that movie to make four million dollars. But again, at the time I would not have expected where that. it went. Like, I bet you a lot of people were like, Yeah, because it was around the height of the black exploitation film era too. Like everybody knew which money how much money they were making. Everybody knew what they were doing.
1: Well, the lead, Carol Speed, who played Abby Williams, was a darling of uh, the black exploitation era and was in quite a few films of that time. And you know, she only passed away this year. Oh, really? Yeah, she passed oh, away in January RIP. of this year. Yeah, yeah, RIP to huh. her. Uh, what else did you learn about this film, Jenna?
0: I learned that William Marshall, this is where I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is where I love him. It's like no different than Blackula. Like He's out here trying to make things better. He was really vocal about his unhappiness with the production of the film, mostly because he had been promised certain script revisions that never came to be, so... He asked for some shit and they probably said no. And so far, so good. What we know of him in Blackula, obviously, there was probably some things that he didn't like, which, like, I will also tail in this comment of, like, the other thing that I found out. Because, like, you know, learning about Orishas and all these types of things and, like, different, like, you know, African spirituality and stuff. Everything about Eshu in this movie is a fallacy.
1: Oh, totally made up.
0: Everything. (laughs) But this is where it starts. Like, this is where, like, you know, you're like, oh, like, that's awesome. Because, like, you know, they did a Yoruba and, like, you know, they're going to Nigeria. Like, they even got, like, the country right and stuff like that. But it's, like, the whole thing about, like, the phallic stuff and all this other stuff, like, I read in other places that, like, literally that is just a weird Christian Western, like, demonization of, like, the Orisha itself. Because, like, it's, like. SU is, like, a trickster, but also, like, you know, a representative of the crossroads, good and evil, a messenger of kinds. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, like, nothing about sex is even close to it.
1: It's the sex and, like, the murderousness for me. I'm, like, what is that? That's not part of issues. Like, that's not what issue is typically known for.
0: Well, like, good and evil is a thing in it, but, like, the whole thing about murder and sex. Yeah. And I'm, like, this is where it starts to get weird because if this is what you were putting on an African deity and then like, you're saying it out loud that this is like, you know, true or something when really you're just making, you're making black people stuff look weird and you're demonizing it, but then you're not even saying the correct stuff in it. And which like, you know, black people and sexuality, it's like, well, how much do our bodies get used in those images and to those things? And like, To the Christian faith and such. So it's like you are really doing. And like the thing is, is that the people who did write this were of a Caucasian hue.
1: Of a Caucasian
0: hue. You know, so to put that out there, it's like before with other things, it it is very dangerous because, like, you know, it goes to the whole thing about, you know, black people are ravenous and
1: all they do is they want to murder and
0: fuck everything. And you're like, oh my God, can you stop? Can you, like, chill? But I digress. But that's the part where I found out. And I was like, yeah, because at first I was like, what? No. Slash this whole phallic thing. Like, they really, really made sure to be, like, phallic. And I'm like, oh, God. I get it. I get that weird thing.
1: Big, Um, big (laughs) black dicks. And you're like,
0: relax. 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 And the other thing I found out was that... The church song that Abby sings, like Is Your Soul a Witness, was written and performed by Carol Speed. And like like that was that was her whole thing. But the other thing about it is, is I know there's another little piece that I think that is the only like recollection of it. Like that is the only like like in the movie, that is it. There's no other recordings of it or anything like that. Like that is that's it. That's all. It's only in the movie. Crossed that's that point it.
1: and thought it was really cool that she wrote and performed the song for the film and yeah, it doesn't exist anywhere else.
0: Yeah, like that's kinda wild.
1: Yeah. Carol Speed's a bit of a badass though. Like something I liked learning about her was the fact that she landed the part of Abby <laughs> because the actress that was originally cast in the role apparently demanded a masseuse as something that the production was not able to provide for her. Obviously, it was a low-budget shoot. You you want to pull up to a shoot that has $200,000 to make a feature film and say, I need a masseuse.
0: Okay. Like, I want to know who that woman is because I want to know who it was. It's probably like that. (laughs)
1: Darling. Like, yes, I want to be, as an actor... I definitely want to be in roles where I can request that. You know, I want to be able to say I want a masseuse. However, if I'm pulling up to a shoot that's got like next to no money, you got you just like know, know your limits and play within it. Right. That's all I got to say.
0: She was like, I can't work under these conditions. I, need to be rubbed <laughs> I
1: can't work under these conditions, sweetie. Oh, I goodness. It. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you all thank so you. You very like much like for that? joining us. You like all of for that? Another <laughs> episode of the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. Hey. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghouls and Galdem. That's G H O U L Z N G Y A L D E M.
0: And let us know. Let us know what black horror film you'd like us to review next because there's tons.
1: Please, there are so many. Please slide into our DMs, send us your recommendations, show us some love, and make sure you tell all your friends about us.
0: Ooh, and Ghouls and Geldum is a lace production in association with Two Skins Entertainment.
1: Production support was provided by James Carlisle and Andy Dolgan on behalf of Toronto-based Big Bad Audio. Make sure to check them out at bigbad.ca.
0: And our bop of the theme song was recorded by Trombotee.
1: <laughs> All right.